Last week on Licensed to Parent, we talked with Dr. Don Williams about his book, The Young Christian's Survival Guide. My grandfather was illiterate. He was a country farmer from central Georgia, never learned to read. And he had eight girls and my dad. And the job of the youngest child who was old enough to read when he came in from the fields at the end of the day was to sit in his lap in his rocking chair and read to him from the King James Bible. That was his commitment to scripture. And he was illiterate, but he genuinely loved the Lord and loved the word and with all his flaws, that was real. Apologetics only begins to be effective by living a life of sacrificial love for the Lord. We'll be continuing this conversation with Dr. Don Williams today on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal, Unlicensed to Parent, is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. Well, Don, welcome back. Good to be back. What have you found to be the biggest reason for why so many Christian kids are walking away from the faith today? It's, mm. it's not that there aren't good answers for the questions they're asking. It's a lack of spiritual reality in the church, in the previous generation. Can you flesh that out a little bit? Well, I, I can give my own story. You know, when I was a teenager, I had been raised in the church. I'd been saved when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. By the time I was a, in my last couple of years of high school, I was starting to ask questions like, how do we know this is true? Yeah. Now, it bothered me that the people in the church, my Sunday school teachers, et cetera, didn't have answers but right. that wasn't the big problem. The big problem was their attitude toward the question. Yeah, It was, if you were spiritual, you wouldn't be asking yeah. that. So you get your ears slapped back for you and so, get the question out of your mouth. So Jesus doesn't respond that way. Jesus uh, has, he, he's not defensive. He has supreme confidence in the truth of who he is mm-hmm. and what he's come to do in the truth of God's word. And... Uh, We need to reflect that in our lives so that when we give answers, and we need to be prepared to give the answers, but those answers have to come from lives that are living those answers. And when that is the case, uh, kids are going to respond to the reality of the truth of the Christian faith and the truth of the gospel. Well, how do you respond to a kid who basically uh, doesn't respect the fact that that Jesus answers a lot of questions with questions. You've probably <laughs> had that come by you before. Uh, is, is answering a question with a question a legitimate answer? What do you think? Well, I think... It, I, <laughs> no, I, mean, I, oh, I just answered oh, the I kid's question with a question. I get you. And if, um, if I just give you what I think the answers are, that's pretty boring. But well, it, doesn't, it doesn't allow you to think through it yourself. Yeah, you know, my, my favorite, one of my favorite professors in college was Dr. Herb Nigren at Taylor University. And 
some kid would ask this guy a question, and it would sound like a real simple question, but instead of answering it, he would scrunch his face up like he was thinking really, really hard. And then he would ask the kid, might have been me, about <laughs> six or seven questions of his own to make sure he knew exactly where that question was coming from and to make sure he was going to be addressing the real issue and not just something on the surface. You and know, when he then had done that, you'd get another little pause to where you'd think he'd fallen asleep or something, and then the answers would begin. So uh, answering a question with a question, what that communicates, what it should communicate, what you should hear when somebody does that is, here's a person who actually cares about your question and isn't going to just give you some canned response. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I honestly don't know the answer to this when I ask it, um, but did Jesus answer those questions with questions? Was was that predominantly from the people who should have known the answer to begin with, like the Pharisees and, and all that? Or was it just or when, a, when a genuine question came from a, you know, a, a common, you know, everyday guy, did he give them the answer or did, um, or did, he, or did he answer those questions with questions too? He almost always did that with everybody, but there are one or two exceptions, and they stand out like a sore thumb, and they're very significant. For example, just about the only time Jesus ever gave anybody a straight answer was when the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he mm -hmm. says, pray like this, and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think Jesus approved of that question, mm -hmm. so maybe that's a question we should have and we should take to him. Yeah. You know, I was in the shower this morning, and I was thinking about um, some of the tough scriptures and the Beatitudes, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, cut your hand off, pluck your, pluck your eyes out if it offends you, uh, turn the other cheek and, and, and let the guy slap you on the other side of the face, and, you know, uh, guy asks you to go a mile, go two miles, and on and on it goes. And this stuff just doesn't seem to have any reason behind it. And I don't know if it was the Lord that gave me this or, or, or what, but I heard kind of in my head, these are be attitudes. These are supposed to be attitudes toward this thing. <laughs> and so he wanted people to have an attitude toward these things, to actually pluck your eye out or to, to cut off your hand would be violating what Scripture says as a whole, to, 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 to look at your body as a, as, a, as a temple, a place where he resides. You don't want to defile that. So it, it, but it needs to be the attitude toward that thing. Uh, and that's means, why it's yeah. called the be attitudes, or am I, if I missed something there. Well, uh, actually, I think you're right, except for the word be attitude doesn't actually mean that. It's, uh, it's from a Latin yeah. word that means blessing. So... When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, in Latin, that's the word beatitude. That's why they're called that. Mm -hmm. But uh, even, though, even though your etymological basis is, is kind of made up, the point is actually, I think, sound, is Jesus is, is telling us you need to take sin very seriously. Right. So... If your eye, in the context of, of lust, and your eye calls you to, you'd better, you'd rather pluck it out 
than get yourself led into sin. Now, it doesn't mean to pluck your eye out. It means to make sure. He's trying to get across the gravity you, of the, exactly, these things. Exactly, exactly. Gravity of the situation is a perfect word for it. Yeah, because I don't think, I think we, we look at sin today as, as something that's kind of nicely naughty. You know, we, we, we play with it as if um, it really doesn't have any deep repercussions uh, for anyone beyond our, our, yeah. ourselves. When, when, we don't realize that sin affects a lot of innocent people, when people our sin. When people find themselves in a position where they have to confess, they'll say something like, well, mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. Sin's not a mistake. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, I've, I've used this thought experiment with a lot of audiences. I'll say, okay, think about the last thing you did that you're really glad I'm not going to ask you to tell everybody what it was. Mm-hmm. Something that you're truly ashamed of, something that uh, you really wish you could take back. How many of you, at the moment when you did that thing, honestly would have to say, I knew better? Yeah. Mm. And almost nobody ever answers mm-hmm. that they did. That they did. I mean, that... Everybody knew better. So knowing better is not enough. And it wasn't a mistake because you knew better. Mm -hmm. And you did this thing that um, if you'd actually been honest with yourself, you knew was going to have bad consequences. You know, there are parents listening to this broadcast right now, and they're hearing our conversation and thinking, I could never have that kind of dialogue with my kid. I I don't know the first thing about Scripture. isn't that part of the problem, though? I mean, parents, I, I don't think they they take seriously how important just having a even a cursory understanding of Scripture is to to raising healthy kids. I I, yeah. I, 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 I think they feel intimidated about uh, uh, the questions that that our, our kids are having to field on websites like xchristian.com and and some of the other. Uh, new atheist stuff that they're hearing. Mm-hmm. These kids, they can't get their bat off their shoulder. Parents can't get their, their bats off their shoulders about this stuff. So your book, The, the Young Christian's Survival Guide, uh, would, would you say this would make a, 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 a decent devotional uh, guide for, for parents and their kids? Or is it, or is it, or is it still too deep? Well, that, uh, I find it really uh, intriguing that you call it a devotional guide. Um, if you're feeling intimidated, you can't get the bat off your shoulders, what do you do? You get in the batting cage, mm-hmm. and you take practice, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you gradually speed the pitches up until you can deal with them. And so, yeah, hey, you should have been reading the Bible seriously for the last 30, 40 years. Open it up right now and get started. And where should they and start? at the same time, uh, the Young Christian Survival Guide will be very helpful in in letting you focus on those certain passages, you need to be reading the whole thing so that you have the larger context. That's very important. But yeah, it can it can get you up to speed. Uh, it's not a huge book. It's only 138 pages. Well, it might at least uh, be able to get them to first base. I mean, they're not even getting off uh, out of the batter's box right now. Well, uh, you'll know where the strike zone is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Michelle, you were going to say something. 
Oh, I was just going to ask Dr. Don, so you you mentioned, okay, so if you haven't been reading the Bible in a, a while, in a quite a while, you just got to open it up and start. I think a lot of people are a little bit shy about the fact of where do I start? Like, mm-hmm. do I start in Genesis, but then it gets boring because then I'm going to hit Leviticus soon. Do I start <laughs> in the New Testament? Where do they start? I would start in two places. I would start in Genesis because that lays the foundation mm-hmm. for everything. And then mm-hmm. I would give myself permission when I get to certain types of passages, like you hit the first four chapters of Numbers, and it's a census report. Mm-hmm. It's nothing but data of how many people yeah. were in this tribe and who these people were that you've never heard of that yeah. don't do anything in Scripture except show up in that passage. That's very important because it's telling you these were real people with a real history, and they had a census just like we do, and here's the data. But you don't need to meditate on every one of those verses. Give yourself, or when you get into something that's dealing with the the details of the Old Testament ceremonial law in Leviticus, give yourself to skim until the story picks up again. Give yourself permission Mm -hmm. to do that skimming. It's not sacrilegious. It's common sense. And then when you're a better Bible scholar, go back and read some of that stuff. In, in detail, and you'll learn something. But to get started, start in Genesis and then start in Matthew and read the New Testament. Yeah. Have both of those things going together. Okay. Well, we're talking with Dr. Don Williams today about his book, The Young Christian Survival Guide. It's time for a break, and we'll be back with more Licensed to Parent right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org.
Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a residential treatment center for troubled teens. If you want to know more about us, check out licensedtoparent.org. We're talking today with Dr. Don Williams. And Trace, just before the break, I asked Dr. Don just if a parent was struggling with where to start in the Bible, where would they start? And he suggested Genesis and also uh, Matthew. Mm -hmm. What about you, Trace? Do you have thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I would. I think that's a great start. Uh, Matthew or Luke, either one, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I would say uh, if you Proverbs are so quick, you can get that done in a couple of mm-hmm. minutes. And someone who has no biblical background can resonate with with the truth and the wisdom behind what's said in Proverbs, which. And I, I know from the kids here at Shepherd's Hill, it does pique their interest. Says, well, maybe the rest of this Bible's got something good to say. And then Genesis, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch, the talking snake and everything. But it, they're listening. And then especially when yeah. they go, we go back to the, you know, a, a, a chapter in the New Testament where Jesus talks about events that took place in Genesis to legitimize that. And if you yeah. don't, if you don't have the fall. You don't have the question to which the New Testament is going to provide the answer. Yeah, and then Ooh, then you've got Paul, uh, who who comes comes into the equation where the in, in Acts where the church actually starts. Uh, it it kind of it, it puts it all together in a way that I think helps them better understanding. For them to start Genesis and try to uh, you know forge through all the way into uh, Revelation, that's pretty overwhelming for someone who doesn't even have an appetite for for uh, scripture but i think proverbs gives the appetite the rest of the stuff kind of sews it back together but i want to get into the veracity of scripture a little bit christians are supposed to believe that the bible is the inerrant inspired word of god can a person be a true believer cultivate a deep relationship with jesus christ and believe that the bible he holds in his hand is not an inerrant totally god inspired document but believes it's the best that he's going to get this out of heaven and then expect to actually go to heaven when, the, when life is over. I think a person can be a true believer without understanding the complete truthfulness of Scripture. Yeah, because we're never going to get it but, anyway. Even with Scripture, we're never going to know all, all the truth. Yeah, But if you don't believe the Bible completely, if you don't trust it completely and implicitly, that is going to be a barrier to the to that deep relationship mm-hmm. with Christ that you were talking well, about. Well, it's going to it's good. You're going to have a, a tendency yeah. to cherry pick the Bible. Then that's, that's right. right. You know, but that's still no reason. That's not a good enough reason for me to to believe the Bible is inerrant. Uh, you know, just because you're going to cherry pick it, uh, I think there there needs to be some deeper. Uh, plenty of people who believe it's inerrant do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, but, but you're right. If you don't have that commitment to the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. The tendency we naturally have to just go for the parts we like Mm -hmm. and ignore the rest will be magnified. Yeah, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Now, what scripture have you personally found uh, the most problematic for people? Or maybe you personally. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people uh, wrestle with those scriptures that deal with the doctrine of eternal punishment. Mm -hmm. How could a loving God... Plan to, and here's the language you'll get. How can a loving God be planning to torture people forever just because they don't have the right religious opinions? Yeah. And, uh, of course, the problem there is you're 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 wanting to, to have half of God 
and not have the other half. God is loving, but God's love can only be the kind of love God has, the kind of love that's healthy, if he's also completely and totally righteous and just. And God's very goodness, ironically, is what makes something like hell necessary. But you, but you did say that he was just. And I, I'll have to admit uh, that it does sound a bit suspicious that there's any justice in giving, especially when you look at uh, hell, as Jonathan Edwards did and some of the, those guys, as being fire and brimstone. You're going to burn, physically burn forever and ever and ever. And there is no way out of this for a 60, 80, 100-year sin. Um, a finite uh, or an infinite punishment for a finite crime does seem uh, it doesn't seem just it, it, to my carnal pea brain way of thinking, but it, I'm open to the fact that because of my carnal pea brain way of thinking, <laughs> I'm not thinking through this as God thinks through this. There's but a, but that is horrible. That's why people were passing out in the in, in the in the aisles in church when when Edwards gave that that sermon. There, there's a there's two or three things that can be said about that. If God is good. Let's let's bypass justice because um, we'll get think, to that. We'll get to that. I don't that. think you can be good without justice. Well, not, it, ultimately, you cannot. That's, that, that's why I said we'll get we'll get okay. to it. But let's just start with goodness. God is the ultimate source of all goodness. Mm-hmm. Everything that's good comes from Him. Life comes from Him. Mm-hmm. He's the source of all goodness. Mm-hmm. All right. If you reject Him. What are you leaving yourself with? Well, you're, if, you're leaving yourself with evil. If if you if 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 he's the only place where I can get life, everything that's wholesome, everything that's good, everything that makes life worth living, everything that would make life worth living for an eternity, if I say no to that, what is that going to be other than hell? But here's the thing. Jesus Christ came as God in the flesh. Mm -hmm. That's what he claimed. That's what we put our our, our hope and trust in. So God's up there. He he makes this creation who he knows is going to fail from his his perfection. And he says, you know what? Since I know you're going to fail, I'm going to take your punishment. I'm going to endure all the sins uh, uh, throughout history uh, because he started it. that makes him a just God right there. Uh, in one of these councils, I don't know if it was Nicaea or which one it was, you know, they may basically voted on some of this stuff. What, what is hell? What is, you know, is, is Jesus God or is he not? I mean, if the vote would have won a couple other ways, we'd all be Jehovah's Witnesses for crying out loud. The Council of Nicaea, technically uh, they met to deal with the issue of the deity of Christ. And again, this is 300 it, years plus it, it, after the, the cross. AD 325, yeah. which is 290-something years. That's a lot of years of people who don't know what's what's heading their way. But uh, That doesn't seem like a just it's, God it's, either. It's not, like they, uh, it's not like they had a vote and like, you know, the deity of Christ won by uh, 52%. I thought that's exactly what it was. No, 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 no. All right. They, Enlighten me. They uh, hassled this thing out until they came to a consensus. And uh, 
uh, aside from just a few people, it was it was uh, it was the like consensus that this is this is what the Bible teaches, and this is what we have believed since then. And uh, the question is: Is Arius an aberration from that, or does he fit in it? And they concluded: If Jesus isn't fully God and fully man, salvation isn't there. If he's not fully God, uh, his sacrifice is not sufficient to cover the sins of all men. No, but if he's but, not fully man; it's irrelevant. What we know is that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that mm-hmm. God raised him from the yeah. dead, you shall be saved. And that ends all, that, that ends the debate right there. I mean, that that really I mean, does end the debate, but it doesn't end it for you and me. It ends it, but for people who you know. Uh, maybe the the garden variety Muslim or Hindu or heathen uh, doesn't end it for them. And they have trouble with these scriptures and it it keeps them from knowing God. And um, I'm just wondering, is there a way that we can mitigate that? Is there a way we can draw them in? Do you really want a God who's not just? Do you really want... That's my argument. Do you really want people who rebel against him and continue in that rebellion stubbornly to get away with it. There's a mystery in sin that uh, goes beyond anything we can fully understand. What we have to do is get back to the facts. What do we know? Mm -hmm. We know that if you confess with your mouth Jesus right. is Lord believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you shall be saved so we 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 got a we got the safety net it's the people who don't believe that that are they're, they're playing with fires so yeah. pardon the pun but and they anyway. they they need to come to believe it and in order to do that there is you know um there is a point at which you have to say okay if i'm going to Tell God that he's not running this thing right. I'm going to tell God that he shouldn't have made this world. I'm going to tell God that... I'm uh, not telling him anything. Yeah, <laughs> but if, I'm going to tell, if I'm going to tell God any of that stuff, I need to do it standing at the foot of the cross, looking up into the eyes of Jesus. And that is the place where faith, to me, you can give answers, and the answers are good up to a point, and you're never going to answer every single question everybody has. But that is the place, that that spot where the shadow of the cross falls on an empty mm-hmm. tomb is the one place where everything in the universe makes sense. Take your mm-hmm. stand there, and then you'll be able to have faith uh, and to trust the things that many of which we can give good and sufficient reasons why we believe they're true. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, uh, a lot of Christians have those uh, reasons they believe, but there are a lot of people who don't believe who need more reasons. And uh, they have more objections and more unanswered questions than, than answered questions. Yeah. And that's why they don't believe. But I think that's what that's what happens when you turn this thing into an intellectual debate Mm. as opposed to a deeply spiritual pursuit. Mm -hmm. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Dr. Don Williams. You can check out his ministry, donaldtwilliams.com. 
Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. If your teen needs help, we are here for you. Check out LicensedToParent.org for more information. Licensed to Parent is a listener-supported ministry, and a donation of any amount would help us tremendously. You can donate online at LicensedToParent.org and click the Donate button. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parents. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.